0: Good morning, Ambassador Church. Good to see you. My name's Ethan, and I'm happy to open God's Word with you today. I have a question for you to start with. The question is this. How many of you like interruptions? All right, my, my guess is, I can't see you, but I don't know how many people are raising their hands, but my guess is not many of you like them. My guess is not many of you like being interrupted in your conversations or when you're trying to focus or working out, that these interruptions that come are just annoying to you. Well, today we're talking about a, a time that Jesus interrupted people's lives. In fact, he didn't just interrupt, he disrupted their lives. See, a disruption is, is worse than an interruption. A, a disruption is the interruption plus some di- disorder or some chaos or some sort of a problem. And so today when we look at a, a passage that many of us have seen before, we've heard, we're seeing that Jesus is entering people's lives intentionally to disrupt them. Many of us feel that disruption in our lives. COVID, this whole 2020 has been a year of disruption. That all of our plans, uh, the dreams, vacations, and so many other things have been canceled or been changed in dramatic ways. So so many of us know what an interruption or a disruption is this year. We see these things as bad, inconveniences, things that we try to avoid. But could it be that at certain times in our life, interruptions and disruptions can be good, that can be good and helpful for us? Think of it this way. You're sleeping, it's the middle of the night, you are having a good dream and there's an interruption. There's there's a knock at your door. You're interrupted from your sleep, but you open the door and it's a fireman and he or she says, hey, sorry to interrupt you, but did you know that your house is on fire? And you would say, no, I had no idea, but thank you for interrupting me. I'm going to be a good interruption. Or you hear that same knock and it's a policeman and he's there with your dog and saying, Hey, sorry to wake you up. Sorry to interrupt you, but we found your dog out in the busy street. We saw it's your your address and we wanted to bring this dog to you. We would say, thank you for interrupting me. That interruption was worth it. So there are times where there's good interruptions. There's good, good disruptions in our lives. And in today's passage, Jesus is entering into Jerusalem and he's coming in as a king. But what's fascinating is what Jesus does when he enters Jerusalem. What's the first thing that he does? And he brings this interruption to people's lives. For us as followers of Christ, if we want to encounter Jesus, if we want to have an encounter with God, we need to expect interruptions. We got to expect and understand that God is going to interrupt our lives, sometimes disrupt it to get our attention and put us on the right track. Proverbs nineteen twenty one says, Many are the plans of a person's heart, but it is the Lord's purpose that prevails. In other words, we have all kinds of plans. We have plans to do so many different things, but it's the Lord's purpose that prevails. He's the one that takes some plans and moves them and switches them and maybe changes the order or gives us new plans so that we can follow him with all of our heart. Today we are in Matthew 21, and it starts with a story that's normally told on Palm Sunday. It's the the story of Jesus entering Jerusalem and everybody's waving the palm branches. Uh, It's a long time until we reach Palm Sunday, but it's still an appropriate message today. But he enters Jerusalem as the king, but it's fascinating to see what he does when he enters Jerusalem, the city that he will be reigning from. The people are wondering too, they, they usher him into the city and they say, what is he gonna do? What's this king, uh, what's his plan? What's his agenda? Much like when we have a new president and we say, what's the president gonna do first on, on his list? What's the first 100 days gonna be like? Of, of his presidency same thing as the people are wondering what he's going to do and we see that here in chapter 21 but what i want us to see just make it real clear the main point for today is that jesus is the king who disrupts our lives to bring us peace healing and worship so jesus is the king who intentionally disrupts our lives to bring us peace healing and worship That's what we'll look at today. So first thing right off the bat, we see Jesus is the coming king who brings us peace. Jesus is entering Jerusalem and there's all kinds of emotions, both from every side, from those who love Jesus to those who are not so fond of him. But here in this passage, what's interesting is Jesus kind of takes off the veil of who he is. In other words, so many times, Throughout these last three years of his ministry, people have wanted to make him king. They've wanted to uh, tell everybody the good things he's been doing and the wonders that he's been doing. But he's always told his disciples and others, just Just keep it a secret. Don't tell others. He's run from that. But today in this passage, he's letting the world know who he is. It starts in, in verse 1, chapter 21, verse 1. It says this, as he approached Jerusalem... He came to Bethpage on the Mount of Olives. Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you, and at once you will find a donkey tied there, with her colt by her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, say that the Lord needs them, and he will send them right away. This took place to fulfill what was spoken to the prophet. Say to daughter Zion, See, your king comes to you, gentle and riding on a donkey, on a colt, on the fowl of a donkey. The disciples went and did as Jesus instructed them. They brought the donkey and the colt and placed their cloaks on them for Jesus to sit on. A very large crowd spread their cloaks on the ground, while others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. The crowds that went ahead of him and those that followed shouted Hosanna the son, to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest heavens. If while I was reading, you might have pictured this story unfolding. Maybe you saw it in a movie or maybe you've seen it in a book or you just got caught in, in seeing it. And there's so much that's going on here but here's what i want you to to make sure you don't miss you have to catch this that this is a king's coronation this is a royal moment this is the moment that they have dreamt of that the king would come into jerusalem the long-awaited messiah this is how he would come and there's kind of three references to this donkey that that we can't miss that's highly important there's three times that jesus uh First, he says, this is what I want you to do. Go and get a donkey. And then this is why you need to do it, because it fulfills prophecy. And then what happened? The disciples went and got the donkey. But this whole aspect can't be overlooked. It's totally important. And here's why. that Jesus says, first, you need to go get this donkey, because I'm going to come into Jerusalem riding that donkey. Now, I remember when I was a youth pastor, I'd have students uh, come up to me and say, hey, you know, you told me that Jesus didn't have any sin, that he was sinless, but isn't he stealing a donkey here? Isn't this, like, not really cool? Um, We can't look at it like Jesus going to the mall and and stealing someone's car or going to an elementary school and stealing a bike uh, to use for a joyride or whatever. That's not the image that's happening here remember this is the passover week this is a a, a very the most important week for israel and people are flooding into jerusalem from all the corners of the earth and this is a moment where there'd be lots of important people lots of rabbis coming in and so it was not uncommon for uh, someone to have a a donkey or um, to open up their house for people to stay in in fact it would be a pleasure for someone uh, here in that village to be able to, to let a rabbi uh, use uh, their donkey. And so think of it not as stealing, more of like an Uber you know, ride or something like that. But that's what's happening now. But here's what's most important is why. Because he gives this prophecy. He says from Zechariah 9.9, 9, say to daughter Zion, say to Israel, this is how your king is going to come to you. He's going to become gentle in riding on a donkey. Why is that significant? Why is that important for the prophets and for Jesus to, to make sure that people don't miss this? It's because this prophecy is talking about the long-awaited Messiah. And he says he's not going to come on a war horse. He's not going to come in a chariot. He's not going to come in into this Roman-occupied land in, in clear house. He's coming in with peace. And even further in this prophecy in Zechariah, the next few verses say that the chariots will be broken. The war horse is is not even um, relevant. What's important is he comes gently. He brings peace. So there are many times where kings would ride war horses. When would they ride them? When they're going into battle. When there's urgency. When they need speed and agility and strength. But after the battle is over, when the battle has been won, the king would come back into his city on a donkey saying there's no urgency. Everything has been taken care of. The opposition has been neutralized. There's peace once again. It's kind of coming in with a slow swagger just saying there's no need to rush here. And so Jesus is fulfilling this prophecy, coming in bringing this peace. And then finally, once again, in verses six to eight, it says that the disciples did exactly what Jesus asked them to do. So that's a big deal. And the crowd didn't miss this either. The crowd brought their, their cloaks, they brought their palm branches, they started singing. They understood the significance of this. They laid down cloaks uh, before him, they put that on the road. It's a symbol going back to Old Testament times of, of submitting and giving this king authority. Plus, it was a great souvenir. Can't you just see Jesus walks by and, and passes and they go run and pick up their cloaks and say, yes, look, there's a donkey print. Jesus stepped here. This is the king. He stepped here. And so uh, you'd probably take it home saying, I'm never going to wash this ever. I'm going to keep it forever, just like we do with autographs and things like that. I don't know if they had something similar to offer up or Craigslist, but who knows? Maybe even that night, all kinds of cloaks were, were on, on Craigslist for hundreds of shekels. It was a proud moment for them. As they put their cloaks down, they also they also got the palm branches. This is not doesn't have a religious significance of it. It's it's more just cultural. This would be the same thing as as a uh, fireworks on the fourth of July. So when Jesus is coming, there's some. Some kids go up in the tree and cut down palm branches and they start passing those around like sparklers on the 4th of July. This is a a great moment where they're celebrating Jesus. And then they start singing. They sing the song to give him glory. They say, Hosanna to the Son of David. Hosanna means to save us. It's a cry of help and deliverance. The Son of David is a a title for this Messiah, this long-awaited one that they're putting their hope in. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. This person comes blessed by God and with the favor of God. And once again, Hosea to the highest heavens. This prayer is going up to God. That this moment right here, it's ordained by God. It's blessed by him. That this is a holy and special moment as King Jesus comes into Jerusalem. The point of this is that Jesus is letting the world know that he's coming in as the king, but he's coming to bring peace to all those who would receive him. thing is, they were picturing political peace, but what Jesus does and what he's anticipating and what he ultimately does five days later is he brings spiritual peace. So the question here as we look at this first section is, is Jesus your king? That's the most important question. Is he the king of your life? Are you submitting to him? Are you putting down your cloak, your jacket, your idols, your everything before him? Are you celebrating him like the, the palm branches? Are you letting people know that you're identifying with him? And are you worshiping him? Are, are, are you singing songs of praise to him? And and ultimately, do you have peace in your life? If you have said, yeah, Jesus is my king, but there's not that submission and that adoration and there's not that peace in your life. You have to wonder what is keeping that peace from coming into your life. Maybe there's some distractions. Maybe there's something there that's blocking you from really embracing Jesus as your King. And that's exactly where we go in our next point. That not only is the King, but this King Jesus has authority to disrupt our chaotic lives jesus has authority to disrupt our chaotic lives so he enters jerusalem and then we say where is he going to go where does this king go what's his first thing that he's going to do some might expect him to go to herod's palace or pilate's palace and say hey you need to get out a new king is in town but he doesn't go there some might expect him to go to the marketplace or an amphitheater where people are gathered, we can gather them around and give a speech of here's what he hopes to accomplish and this is how it's gonna go down. But he doesn't do that either. Instead, he goes to the temple. And the temple, it's, it's significant because that's his home. That's his, the place where his heart is drawn. In verse 12 it says, Jesus entered the temple courts And drove out all those who were buying and selling there. He overturned the tables of the money changers and the benches of those selling doves. It is written, he said to them, my house will be called a house of prayer, but you are making it a den of robbers. Jesus comes into the temple basically comes to his home and he's not liking what he has seen. This gentle king who came on a donkey turns and he gets a little aggressive. And he's telling the people that they have to get out because he they they have made this temple a den of robbers. But think of it this way. Imagine you go out of town and you go out for a nice vacation and Maybe you let someone stay at your house, maybe it's a friend or a family member, or maybe you rent it like an Airbnb. You come back a couple weeks later, and you, you can't even park in the front because it's full of you know, vans, and then you see it's, it's like a swap meet in front of your house. There's all these little pop tents, and people are grilling and selling food, and other people are selling auto parts, or sporting goods, or home equipment you're like, what is going on? People are trampling all over everything. They're selling and they're, they're, they're buying. And you can't even park. You can't even get into your house. And then you, you, you look around and you go into your house and you see that people had moved furniture around. Your guests have, have taken your stuff from your master bedroom and put it in the kitchen. And they've taken things from the kitchen and put it in the bathroom. And they've taken things from the garage and put it in the living room. They've totally rearranged it. This is how Jesus comes in and sees the temple They made this place a den of robbers. So, of course, he's going to clear it out because he has authority because this is his home. He is the homeowner and he has authority to rearrange the furniture the way it should be. And so he tells those people to move. He gets them out of there. He makes a scene. This is like front page news turning over tables and pushing people out and getting them out of this temple. Why? Like you said, it's been a den of robbers. And back in that day, they had dens for robbers. There was little caves that people would make and robbers would go there and that's where they would plan and they would scheme and they would think, how can we steal stuff from different people? It's the place where they would go back and they would tell their stories of how they almost got caught how the police were chasing them, but they just got away and they would look at the stuff that they stole and try to find value to it that's what a den of robbers is and that's what they had been doing to the temple of course jesus wasn't pleased how it was it made him so sad to see that what once or should have been a place of prayer was this place of greed and and all kinds of other terrible things this was taking place in the court of the Gentiles. And so uh, just a little context, uh, if you're looking at the whole temple, it was divided in different um, different spaces. And this was an outside space, like kind of just right inside the gate, where Gentiles could come and, and those who were sick or poor or um, who were unclean, they could come into this area. But what he saw when he got in there, that there wasn't any room for them. It should have been a place of worship, but it was this place of chaos and noise with animals and coins and people and talking and there was no room for those who should have been there if someone wanted to come and worship they just couldn't and so this is why he was clearing it out jesus had the authority to clear it out and make it a place of prayer see if jesus took the liberty to disrupt the temple and to cleanse it for god's use Doesn't he have that same authority to do that to you and me? To those of us who say that we are, we're following God, we are disciples of Jesus. Shouldn't he have that same authority to do that in our lives when we need our lives to be cleansed? I mean, he's done that many times. He's done that through history. He's interrupted all kinds of people's lives. I mean, just to go back to scripture, he did it to Noah. Noah. Noah, his mind knows his own business, and he says, no, I need you to, to stop what you're doing, and I need you to build an ark. It's going to save the world. Or Abraham, said to Abraham, I know you love this town you grew up in, but I need you to move. I'm going to take you to a new land, a promised land. To Moses, he says, Moses, I know you're happy with your, your sheep there in the desert, but I need to interrupt that, because I need you to go to Egypt to save my people and bring them to the promised land. Did it to the disciples. said, put down your fishing pole, I've got a new agenda. Did it to Paul, right? Paul, he's gonna, I'm gonna blind you until, uh, until you get the new picture, the new mission that I'm sending you out in my name. He's done this so many times throughout history. He's done it in your life. Maybe you knew it or you didn't. What does he purge? He can purge sin. You know, the sin that we just can't get free from. He could come in and interrupt that. He could interrupt us from just going in the wrong direction. That it's not so much a sin, but we're just going in, a, in the wrong direction. And he can interrupt our lives and, and put us back on course or in a new, new direction. Or maybe he has something better for us, something that we'd never even imagined. He can interrupt us. He can purge these things from our life and set us in a new direction direction that would please him, that would glorify God. For me as a pastor, I read this and I, I, I have to take it seriously because I can't help but look at this temple that had become a den of robbers and just say, has, has that happened to us? Has that happened to our, our church or has that happened in my life? Have I let so much noise and distractions and and other things crowd out my life so it's not a a place of prayer? Or as we have a church, as we had so many things happen, so much activity that, that we no longer hear God's voice, but we're just full of other things, even good things. So as a pastor and just as a follower of Christ, I have to look at this and examine my heart and examine my life. And I I encourage you, I want you to do the same thing. So there are things in my life that are keeping me from hearing God's voice. Are there things that are keeping me from from my life being a, a house of prayer, a temple of prayer? I think these are things we need to look at and i'll tell you uh, as f- speaking for the pastors and for the elders our strongest desire is to make this church ambassador church a place of prayer a-, a house of prayer and so we are committed to that and we want to do that we want you to join us on that we want you also to be excited about that and not only just have a church that's a house of prayer but your own lives you can Let God interrupt you. Let him disrupt you. Let him clear out those things that are just making noise so that you can hear him, that you could be at peace, you could experience peace in your lives. I think together when we do that, it's gonna be exciting times for our church, both in, in Anaheim and in Brea and far beyond, as we see God do great things to build his kingdom. That's what makes me excited. All that happens when God disrupts our lives. Let's not see that as an inconvenience or an annoyance, but let's welcome that and let God do his work of purging these things out of our lives so that we can be wholly devoted to him and experience peace. Well, that goes on with a third point, that Jesus replaces this chaos with peace, but also with healing and with worship. Jesus disrupts this temple complex to clear out the noise so that those who should be in there could come in. And it's so seamless. Like Matthew just slips it in so quick, you almost, you, you probably could miss it. And so I won't go back to read verses 12 and 14, but just he enters in, he pushes out those who are selling, he overturns tables. He says, you know, this should be a house of prayer, but instead it's the den of robbers. And you can just hear his voice just going through the temple court and just kind of hanging there over that. Meanwhile, the people leave, they get their things and they kind of leave and maybe they turn around and say a final thing to Jesus as they they exit. But as they exit, you see just this, this peace and this calmness come to this temple court. Once again, it's quiet and you can, I can almost just imagine Jesus, just a smile coming back to his lips that now it has been purged. But with that hanging in the air, we go to verse 14 and look at this. It's just beautiful. It says, The blind and the lame came to him at the temple and he healed them. The blind and the lame came into the temple and he healed them. You could just see as the, 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 the robbers leave. There's this moment of silence. And you look at the gates and the doors and you see new people coming in. But it's not, it's not the merchants with their lawyers saying, you're going to pay for this. It's now it's the blind who are being led by their friends or their family members. Or, or the lame who can't even walk themselves. or are being carried or brought to Jesus by their friends. Just a, a whole new atmosphere of peace. And as far as I know, as far as I can see, that this is the one time that Jesus does healings here at the temple. It's the one time. And he brings healings to these people that are blind or lame and the sick. And it's just, you think about it, like these people, they could enter this far, but they couldn't go, ever go any further. Some of them never went further to like go inside the temple where they could offer a sacrifice. They just stayed right here. But now they've been healed. And now they're able to go inside the temple to go participate in the Passover festivities. Jesus brought this peace and he brought this healing to the people. He healed them where they needed it most. And by cleansing it, by asking those others or telling them to leave, it made space for them to come. The people that needed it, the people that needed healing came in and he took care of them. See, without disruption, this would have never happened. Without Jesus bringing disruption to the chaos, there would have never been this peace, there would have never been this healing, and there never would have been worship. As we see further in verse 15, the the sound of coins and animals was replaced by the song of children. These children singing the same song as they did just the day before. Hosanna, Hosanna to the son of David blesses he who comes in the name of the Lord, Hosanna in the highest. They're singing these songs of adoration and praise to him. Do you see the difference from when he first entered in? Just the chaos and the noise and the crazy to now those who are needing healing became healing. The joy, the laughter, the smiles, the worship from the children. Of course, there's still chief priests and scribes there that weren't pleased. They were filled with indignation over the children singing. But this is what Jesus desired. This is what he needed to happen. He needed this temple, his home, to be cleansed so there could be peace, so there could be healing, so there could be worship. So as I look at this passage, it's a great story. It's a great story of Jesus coming in as king and cleansing the temple, but there's so much more that's going on that's so much deeper into our lives. We're told that we, those who are followers of Christ are this temple of the Holy Spirit. And even still, even today, Jesus' desire is for this temple to be a house of prayer. And so many times throughout life, we have made our temples, our lives, and our churches just noisy places. And we're doing good things. I mean, even in that temple, they were doing good things. They were bringing uh, animals for people to sacrifice. That was great. But they went about at the wrong place, the wrong time, the wrong way. And so that can happen to us. But my appeal to you as one of your pastors, as one of your shepherds. My appeal even to myself is that we would take the initiative, we would do whatever we can to let Jesus into our lives, to disrupt us so he could cleanse us and purify us so that we could be a temple, a house of prayer. I want that for you. If that's what we want, if we want to have an encounter with God, we're going to expect these interruptions. And Instead of being annoyed, let's embrace them. Let's embrace them and say, Lord, you have my attention. I'm listening. What do we need to get rid of? Let me help you. If there's anything that's in my life that shouldn't be there, let me help you. I don't want to be standing on that that last day as I stand before your your throne with all these things that that you don't desire. I want to get rid of them. I want to get rid of them now. I want to be a person of peace so that I can participate with you and, and bring healing, spiritual healing to this world around us that's hurting and sick. And I want to offer up these songs of worship. I want to praise you. Really, that's what we look at for all of us as disciples. But all that comes at a cost, a cost that means we got to be interrupted. What's that mean for our church? It means that our church, if we're going to be a place uh, of prayer, that we need to be interrupted as well. And there's a temptation to look at these interruptions and say, oh, what's going on? And what's, what's happening? And, and, and uh, what's our future? Instead of just saying, Lord, you're at work and you're doing something. I, I don't know what it is. But we're excited to see, because this is your church. This is your temple. this is your place. and you if you want to rearrange the furniture, you can do it. I'm going to let him do it and embrace that and seek the Lord wherever he leads. Uh, some of you know that um, in about one month, about a month from now, I'm going to be going away on a deployment. Um, as you know, I, some of you know, I serve with the Air Force. Uh, as a chaplain with the Air National Guard, and, and I'm gonna be deploying uh, for about six months. And uh, during that time, I mean, I'll, I'll kind of be on a leave of absence, and, and uh, I've had to think this through, too. Like, oh, I don't wanna leave the church. I don't, I don't wanna leave this place. I love this church. But I don't want any of you to see it as a, you know, it's just some, like, just crazy or chaos. I, I, instead, I wanna see it, I want you to see, want all of us to see it as, this is God's interruption. And I'm coming back. I mean, Lord willing, in six months, I'm back and uh, excited to see what the Lord has done in my life and in your life. But these are those moments. There's interruptions. And and we're going to have this. We're going to have other ones. But let us trust in the Lord. Let us trust in Jesus that he knows what he's doing. This is his house, and he's building it, and he's going to rearrange it. And, And just as he does that to the church, he's doing that to our lives, and that's what I get excited about. May we let the Lord in, let him rearrange our lives, interrupt, disrupt, whatever it needs to happen so that we could be a holy place, a place that lets people come and find peace, let them find healing, and let them worship. Amen? Amen. Let me pray for us.